Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Zach Attacks Movies, the podcast. I'm your host, Zach Aaron, joined by my lovely guest, Noah Fredrickson, and my our dear friend from Atlanta, Wesley Salazar. Wesley, how's it going? <laughs> how's it going, Wesley? It's going great. I'm, I'm very, it's an honor to be here. You know, it's an honor to have you. Yeah, we, I've been meaning to have you on a long time. I try to make it work, and this is exactly how it's going to work. So me calling That's him, and putting it over your phone. Yes, <laughs> we we make do with what we have here with the poor technology we have. So that's okay. It's uh, a start. It's a start. It's a start. All right, tonight's show. I think it's a special show, especially for me. Um, we're going to do our top ten favorite movie scores, so music scores, and I think this is very special for me because for me personally. Music scores is the most underrated part of a film. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's just like what like that's my favorite. Also, one of my favorite nights uh, parts of the Oscars is when they announce the film scores. I I love listening to film scores. Like I'm not gonna lie, some of these will get me hyped in the gym, and I'm not ashamed of it. But uh, uh, before we start, I do have to ask you guys: Do you guys have any honorable mentions before we begin? I don't. I don't either. I thought about making one. But I, 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 didn't, I didn't bring myself to it. All right. So then um, I'll – it's okay. I have 10, so we'll just evenly spit it. Um, I'll have four. You guys each have three. But I'll just name them all here. All right. So my honorable mentions are Joker, um, Harry Potter, The Prisoner of Azkaban, Inception, Forrest Gump, The Godfather, Lincoln, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, Lord of the Rings, and Pirates of the Caribbean. So, with that out of the way, we're going to kick it to you, Wesley. And Wesley, give us your 10th favorite music score. All right, um, before I start, I just want to say, like, I I love film scores, but there, there are, like, times where I don't put myself to listen to, like, all of the... All of the soundtrack of the of the movie because mm-hmm. um there for me there's a difference between the score and the actual soundtrack and i listen yep. to most of the soundtrack the songs that they chose or that they made and then i'll probably like listen to like one or two songs from the actual score itself yep. so some of these films or t- and tv shows that i added on here are basically uh some some of them are are, are from what i've heard in like almost in their entirety so right. uh, it might be a little like not as artistical as some people would say, but um, my number ten is *Parasite*. The uh, composer is Jung Jae the second. For me, the score is a really big part of the film. Also, you wouldn't have the greatness of a film if it weren't for the greatness of the score. And mm-hmm. I feel like in *Parasite*, it get, it, it's a lot of strings and it's a lot of like um how do i say like bells and chimes and it and it's and it, and it gives that like classy vibe because you know it's about the poor family coming into the rich family but it's also got that intensity especially like when it switches into its thrilling um mm. side so um i feel like it delivered really jung jay the second delivered really great on that all right good start to your top 10 noah right, give so us my, your 10 my number 10 is from a movie that, like, and from a trilogy that, like, everybody, like, even if you don't know the movie, you know the soundtrack, right? And you know, like, the main theme from it. Okay. And that's Jurassic Park. Because, like, okay, so, like, the reason it's so low on the list is because 
obviously it's in my top 10, so it's something that I really like. But I haven't seen the movie in a while, and so I really need to rewatch it. When I watch and I look at the soundtrack, I, uh, um, and when I listen to the soundtrack, it, like, it can be used in so many different ways. And, like, I think something that makes a soundtrack so, um, memorable is the fact that we're able to use it not only in that context, but, like, in other places, too. And, like, everybody, if you play the, the soundtrack, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's from Jurassic Park. And you know that. And, like, I feel like the reason that's so high, it, even it's so low, is, but it's still on the list, is that even though you're able to... Even though you people like me haven't seen the movie in a while, we still can recognize that soundtrack after mm-hmm. so long, and I think that's what truly can make a soundtrack something that everybody listens to, is because they can hear the they can keep hearing and memorizing and recognizing that theme even after so long. So that's why Jurassic Park is my number ten. All right, all right. My number ten is The Lion King, uh, scored by Hans Zimmer. Uh, I'm not talking about Hakuna Matata and the Circle of Life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual instrumental piece. Um, you go back and you listen to the instruments within The Lion King. It is very well done. I still get goosebumps every time when Simba rises on Pride Rock towards the end of the movie and that score behind it. It is, it is really great, and I love how the score in, um, encircles as well as the songs all together. Like It feels like they're not out of place. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, Hans Zimmer, he won um, Best Original Score for his work with The Lion King, and I think it's very well-deserved, so... I yep. think it deserved my top 10 spot. I definitely deserved a top 10 spot for me. So my number 10 is The Lion King. So Wesley, we're going to kick down to you for your number 9. Alright, um, my number 9 is uh, is to a film called Spirited Away. Uh, oh, I heard about Spirited, this. Spirited Away is an animated film from Studio Ghibli, or Ghibli, depending on how you pronounce it. It's basically Japan's version of Disney, per se. Um, and in my opinion, I, I've been on, on a binge of Studio Ghibli movies, and I can say that it, it's just the movies are just so magical, and they're so different from Disney movies that they're they're in its own right just amazing. And the thing about Spirited Away is that it is it is the first foreign animated movie to win Best Animated Movie at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was I can't remember the year it came out, uh, two thousand and one, I believe. And the the composer is Joe Hisaishi, and oh man, I, I I just can't explain. There's my favorite song out of this score is the called the Sixth Station, and it's at a point in the movie where because the movie is like it's got this magical element to it, and it's like the spiritual world, and then everything. There's all of these events are happening, and like you're you're sitting at the edge of your seat, but then there comes a moment like of just pure like not silence but of calmness and it, and the song is called the sixth station it's just the majority of it is piano mm-hmm. and the movie just takes a breather and like you're watching the amazing visuals and backed by this amazing score is just wow it, it was an experience yeah i've been meaning to watch that is that is that on netflix uh, it's on German Netflix. <laughs> okay. German Netflix, so get VPN. Yeah, yeah get VPN. That's the most... I don't <laughs> know. It's a sponsor. Right. It's a sponsor. All right, Noah, yeah. you're number nine. So my number nine is from another series that I, I feel like the same, like these like lower ones are, are movies that I definitely like can appreciate because I still remember them even after I haven't seen the movies for a while. It's the Indian, Indiana Jones theme. Mm-hmm. Because like... Like, I don't know, because when I first saw those movies, 
I really, um, when I was little, for some reason, I remember listening to the score, or like to the score, like afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so encaptivated by it. And like, it also helped that I watched the movie and then I went back and watched the score. But like, you know, when you listen to the score, something that I think is really magical is like when somebody pulls off a score so well is that they can you can listen to the score and actually feel like you know what's going on even if you haven't seen the movie and that's what i think a score can do really well is that it can hold up on its own without the movie being there to support it obviously the movie and the score work as one to make the movies great but like i feel like if you can listen to the score and be like wow that's that's a good score i would like to listen to that independently then that's something that that really gets like it gets me like listening to a score over and over again and that's what indiana jones that's what that score does for me so. all right all right my number nine is uh the score from et the extraterrestrial by john williams this would be higher on my list if i watched it i think if i watched this movie more as a kid but i didn't watch as much as the other movies higher on my list as well and uh the reason i first of all this had to be my top 10 for me because um there, that iconic shot when he's when he's biking across the moon. I don't know if that would be that would have the same magic without John Williams' mm-hmm. amazing direction there. I mean, with the, it's just a, it's a beautiful piece. If you have not heard the ET, just ET theme. Have, if you've never heard, if you never listened to that, I highly recommend. It is magical, and I mean Steven Spielberg. You know, he if you don't know, he's obviously my favorite director of all time. And he has gone on record so many times that he would not be where he is today without John Williams helping him out. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember when John Williams was accepting this award. I can't remember exactly who it was. They brought Steven Spielberg in to uh, talk about it. And he brought up the clip where um, they fly for the first time on the bikes. And he's like, this is, what, this, is, this is the scene without music. And this is how much the music influences it. And E.T. has always has been a very special place in my heart. And so in the music definitely brings up that film a lot. So my number nine is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. All right, Wesley, you're number eight. All right, uh, number eight, I I combined two films uh, for a good reason. Uh, there's Up, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Pixar film, yep. uh, Michael Giacchino, and there's The Wind Rises, Joe Hisaishi. Uh, he's, uh, this is another Studio Ghibli film. Both of these films are very similar in terms of like the... Um, sort of love in the background i guess Mm. and both of the scores give off this vibe where you just want to be like young um you know you you're you're with the love of your life and you're having a good time and and everything and then there comes a point where things just go downhill and you know it it, 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 you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know what i i I don't know how to explain myself on that it's just it gives off that light light warm sort of feel and it's it, it's it's one of those like summertime aesthetic, you know. It, it's it, it's a definite. I definitely recommend both of these movies if you're trying, if you want to watch a like Disney Ghibli back to back. Both of these are definitely a recommend. Yeah, and you said you were talking about um, Up, right? And how um, how good the score is. I think the song that we all know that stands out is the one where they show uh, Ellie and Mister uh, um, Carl. Name? Yeah, um, they show yeah. they show their life and like yeah, like, so, uh, I think the song is called Married Life. Or some, something. Yeah, it's, it's called mm-hmm. and some some people like talk about how like oh yeah that film wouldn't have been the same if the score wasn't backing it up. Well, that scene wouldn't like that scene wouldn't even have like 
anywhere near the sort of impact it had if there was no no score behind it and like i think that that really shows how much like it like that score like really shows in your face how much a score can impact a scene or mm-hmm. like several scenes because like you you look at that scene without the music and then yeah. you're like my like because i've seen it like i've seen people do it without the music like just this entire scene and of course it has that it has an effect on you because obviously somebody's dying and things like that and it gets yeah. sadder but you don't really feel that unless the music's there mm-hmm. and that's i think that's the most powerful example that i can think of of music truly being one of the main factors into making a scene as powerful as it is that's true so. mm-hmm. all right i think we're at Noah. i think you're number eight my Jesus. number eight is pirates of the caribbean um, <laughs> I okay. expected that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in Pirates of the Caribbean, the scene that really sticks out to my mind is Jack Sparrow's introduction in the first one, where he's um, where he's on his like small boat and he's like sailing to the harbor and he can see him. And to me, it's just like that's a very like Captain Jack Sparrow moment. Yeah. And like you can't, you, you really can't visualize anything else except for that big powerful brass moment where you just you hear that music in the background and like it just i don't know it brings a sense of confidence but also a sense of like silliness and that's exactly what you want from jack sparrow because you you want that like oh yeah he's a pirate and things like that but he's also kind of he's also kind of like he he gets off dumb luck sometimes and things like that Mm -hmm. and so like i i really feel like you um you get that vibe and then another another part i'm and when i'm talking about pirates of the caribbean i'm only talking about the first one we won't talk about the other ones, but <laughs> um, I, I'm like talking about like when you see the piece of Aztec gold and then you hear that really like mysterious music off of that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care where you are in that. You you play that music and I'm just automatically going to think of that, you know, and mm-hmm. that that's why there's so many memorable moments like this. Not just those two. There's so many memorable moments like the um, Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner theme and things like that. And you just you just I don't know. It's. And since it was a part of my childhood too, I really, I really enjoy that score because like it just brings me back. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. the Pirates of the Caribbean theme, it like that, that is so recognizable. And, you know, for for a film franchise that, like, let's be honest, it had like even though the first one was the best film, that that film didn't really have a big impact as mm-hmm. much as like other films had. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect it. No, or not, it, but it, just, like, it's, yeah, it was, it was, it's just the best film because. You're comparing it to the other one. Yeah, right? I know, and like, but but when you think about it, that theme has it has gone down as one of the best themes towards a film franchise, right? Yeah, I think yeah, ever. it has. Yeah, and so I mean, yeah, it's that's why I had an honorable mention. It was it was tough between me at the time between Pirates and The Lion King. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but uh, uh, my number eight, I feel like it's gonna be higher on your guys' list, um, is uh, the score from La La Land, um, from uh, a score by Justin Hurwitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. I think the reason that this definitely got up in my top ten is that is that ending scene mm-hmm. that that score that encapsulates everything. Like I remember, um, after watching this movie for the first time, I would walk around campus and I had that that tune just playing in my headphones on repeat, basically. Mm-hmm. And like it got to the point where like I remember the part where in the film where. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling pop up into that wide open, that yeah. white space. You know, like, you like, know, based yeah. on the music. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And, like, I always remember when that part ever came, I tried stepping to it. Yeah. And, like, I know I never got it right. And, like, I would try extra hard when, pe- when no people were around. <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's how much, like, this, in, like, I think just the, 
that movie would not be what it is without the music. No way, yeah, no way. And like, mm-hmm, yeah, it's and like because that that movie that movie just it speaks through the music, mm-hmm. and I love yeah, movies really like does. that. And so, um, for me, La, La Land definitely had to be in my top ten. So that's why it's my number eight. And I would talk. I'm gonna talk about this film a lot more. Trust me, because it's in my top ten too. Spoilers. Ah, spoilers. <laughs> but, uh, I I just like yeah. What Zach says, it's it's a very. I I appreciated. Um, music and movies a lot more after I saw this movie, and mm-hmm. that's all I'm gonna say. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, Wesley, on your number right, seven. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm gonna sound so like mainstream right now. Nah, it's okay. But... We always do. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> have you even listened to any of our top tens? <laughs> <laughs> but like Stranger Things, Kyle Dixon and mm, Michael Stane. That's true. Um, Stranger Things is like uh, I. Anybody knows me, I'm, like, super against any, like, mainstream movie, unless it's, like, a big franchise. I'm, like, it pisses me off when, like, a a series goes mainstream. Like, I still haven't seen 13 Reasons Why. I still haven't seen Tiger King. Me either. I still haven't seen... And, and frankly, I'm not going to watch them. (laughs) But the one that does deserve its place in the mainstream, or at least the popularity, is Stranger Things because of the story, because of the aesthetic, because of the characters and everything. Um, but one thing that always stood out to me was the score because I am a sucker for anything eighties like related mm-hmm. for music. We were from the we're from the Midwest, like it's all yeah. around us. That's true. Um, <laughs> and I I love synth, like the synthesizer noises and I just mm-hmm. it's for me it's a relaxing thing to study to. And um and Stranger Things has the the only thing it's the only theme song that one of the only theme songs that I've never skipped in um, any TV shows, and um, the first time that I actually fell in love with the score was in the first season when they found Eleven in the rain the first time, uh, yeah. and in the background you hear that, mm-hmm. and it, it just it just <laughs> set chills down my spine, man. It was just, true. Ah, I loved it. So a question: I have a feeling another one of your movies that. I mean, one of your other uh, TV shows that you did, and you can never skip the intro. I'm, like, I'm assuming it's Game of Thrones. Oh, dude, you read my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, like, I'm not going to lie. Even though, like, season eight was terrible, um, Can't really. I, I could still watch the, th- the intro to that because that theme's awesome. But that's getting off track. All right, so, Noah, we're going to go to your number seven. Okay, so my number seven is something that I think... It, okay, so this... Score got me reintroduced. I got reintroduced back into it during graduation when Mr. Newell chose this song for uh, the play out instead of the recessional. Okay. And it's Back to the Future. Oh, that's right. All right. Because I, I, so when I first listened to the score when we played it, um, I was I was a trumpet player and we had and the trumpet the twos the trumpet twos had the theme for a short while and I listened to it and I was like, wow, this is actually a really good. It is a really fun theme to play. I really enjoy it and not just the theme. After that, I went back. After that graduation, I went back home and I, I listened to the score online, and I was like, "Man, this is a really good score, especially for that time." And I was like, "I can't believe they came up with something that was so great." And like, again, all my scores are recognizable when you just listen. Most of my scores are, are recognizable if you just listen to it solely by itself. And something, um, I, I listened to the score um, a couple times after that, and. Over those times, I've fallen in love with it, and it's just—I think it's a—it's just a really good. And you just, when you hear that beginning, the theme when uh, there's 
the DeLorean is just so great and I love it so much. And like, mm-hmm. it's something that I could listen to in the car and I'd be like, it just gives me pumped. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I think that's all you can really ask for from a score is just to, you know, make you feel something. And that exactly. score definitely did. So that's why it's number seven. All right. All right, going to my number seven, I'm surprised it was this low on my list, but I think just how much I love my other six. But my number seven is Empire Strikes Back. And so, and my my rule I had with this, I also did with my top ten favorite movies, is that if I chose a film from a franchise, I stuck with that one film. I wasn't going to throw in two or three, so this is my only Star Wars film. And, uh, but the, the first of all, the reason I chose Empire Strikes Back is because it also introduces the, the Imperial March mm-hmm. into the Star Wars franchise. I think that adds a whole new element to storytelling and everything like that. And of course, you have the amazing Star Wars theme. Um, Imperial March, like I just mentioned. Um, just the music John Williams gives for Star Wars, it is uh, second to none, you know, honestly. And so, Star, uh, Star Wars movie had to make my list for me. It had to be Empire. Um, I'm sorry it's the slow, but... It ha- First, I had to make the list, but for me, it's my number seven. All right, Wesley, number six. Number six. <laughs> Zach just said it's Star Wars Episode 5. <laughs> <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back. Look at that. <laughs> what if I, I said my number like, six was Star Wars Episode 5? That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, for, for me, look, John. this is the only John Williams movie I have as on, on my list, but... Okay. What, <laughs> like, so angry. What, I'm angry. Like, okay, so it's... It's kind of true what people say is that Episode Five is probably the the better out of all of the Star Wars movies. But like for me, it's my personal favorite, and I feel like it's just just because we get more more of a background on Darth Vader and all this, and also the Battle of Hoth. And I'm a my favorite season is Winter, so like everything that has to do on Hoth and everything is just I I love it. And I don't know, it's just John Williams' score is always just the most. Like you know, mm-hmm. you, you oh, just yeah. can't, John Williams. It's John Williams. It's there, John what Williams. is there to say? And like, yeah. but, oh man, I can't even talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, exactly. John, Dude, John Williams. Williams is great. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think well, this, the farther we go down my list, it's gonna be more relevant. Um, how much I love John Williams. Now, is that in case of just because I love Spielberg and John Williams do everything together? Maybe. Probably. Am I biased? Probably. Of course. But that's okay. All right, Noah. All right, so my number six, and before you guys get angry at me, I'm gonna get angry. At Zach's you. gonna get angry at well, me. I'm fine. I don't know how angry. He is. Angry. Um, it's the score from Iron Man three. Oh, dude, Iron Man three actually has a good. Yeah, I'll agree. Has a good score. Have you, have you, have you score. listened? Have you listened to the uh the Have you seen the YouTube video where they do that the Iron Man three uh, theme on top of mm-hmm. the video, and yeah. then you see the dude. That is just such a good and it's it such a, a powerful. Good. It's so Iron Man too, you know. So, yeah. what, Zach's so angry. <laughs> I'm not angry, I'm Zach's smiling. He's angry, he's so angry. Cause he I'm smiling, like what are you talking about? So, Dude. and that's the thing I love about movies, is that I can agree that Iron Man 3 is definitely the weakest. Thank you. But I will say that a good score, that's what I love about good scores. Good scores always don't have to rely on it being a good movie. That's true. Or vice versa. Yeah. Vice versa. Vice versa. So I feel I feel like what made me really like also the score is at first was the trailer watching it when I was like twelve years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. They're, they're, the part where like Tony's mansion fall, falls into the water, that part is just like oh yeah, it's so I good, know. isn't it? Like yeah, it's so freaking good. I okay, and the thing is, is like um the tra- the trailer. I I remember watching the trailer too. I think I was like eleven because if you were twelve, but I, I was watching the trailer and like I just. 
I before I watched the first one and the second one, I watched the trailer for Iron Man three because I wasn't really big into Marvel, and I remember watching the trailer and thinking and really just thinking back on it, being like, wow, that guy really just has it all. Like he's just such a cool, charismatic guy, but like also at the same time, you know, I'm like he has such an interesting story to him. And I don't, I remember thinking about that when I was that little and I was like, why am I thinking about this? This is weird. And I was like, and I was thinking back and I was like, it's probably because of the score. The, sc- the score was able to really kind of make me think about those type of things about Iron Man 3. And that's why Iron Man 3 is my number six All right. on my list. Okay. Ooh. All right. Now going into my number six, um, Noah didn't just talk about it, but he's talked about it. My number six is Back to the Future uh, theme, uh, score uh, created by Alan Silvestri. I'm going to say this right now. Alan Silvestri is the most underrated film uh, composer in Hollywood because if you look at what he's done um, in his lifetime, he's done so many great themes. And like, you know how many times he's been nominated for an Oscar? Once. Yeah. He's been nominated once. It was for Forrest Gump. And, I mean, he has done such phenomenal work. And that, and that includes my number six with Back to the Future. Um, for those of you who do not know, uh, Back to the Future was a big part of my childhood. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it, it's just so much fun to watch. And, I, and it helps accompany that theme from Alan Silvestri and that the first time that the DeLorean falls... And just that that epic Back to the Future um, theme that just gets you going, and it's just it just it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think another thing that from this score that gets kind of underrated, and it's and it's it, it's so quick you'll miss it, but it's a little ding ding ding. If yeah. you know what I'm talking about, uh-huh. we did. I think we yeah. played that in the band. Yeah, and it's like because like a lot of people like they just they just know what they just hear that thing, but what people don't know is that it originated from Back to the Future, and I think it's something that. Um, I think it's something that it's very underrated for what it gave to Back mm. to the Future. So my number six is Back to the Future. So Wesley, we're going down to you for your number five. Number five. All right. Um, number five. My film loving journey started probably around sophomore year, mm. and um, this movie really like people ask me. Well, why won't why don't why isn't it like the Sorcerer's Stone or anything? But like this is the movie that got me into <laughs> I got this. it. It got me into the Wizarding World, and it's Fantastic Beasts uh, and Where to Find Them. The first one, uh, the composer is James Newton Howard. There is it, it might not have been John Williams, but I feel like this score also carries John Williams' magic inside of Fantastic Beasts because it's still like it, as different as it was to the to the like story of Harry Potter, it still had that feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the film, it starts with the iconic theme. Da, 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 and mm-hmm. then it turns slowly into uh, the fantastic beast theme song. And I just, Oh man, I, I, I just, I, I just remember sitting there next to my friend, um, Dylan, uh, Dylan Hazy. And it's just, I, I don't know. It, it was such a good experience. And I feel like the score just brought out the greatness of it. I feel like mm-hmm. something that's great about some like this, um, something that's great about like a spinoff to something that's so popular, is that when you're able to use in a score the the theme from the original from the thing it got off of. So you're, like you're talking about the theme from Harry Potter, it starts with that, and then it goes into the Fantastic Beast theme. I think that's really cool because like it still gives you that feel. It's like oh, this is from you know the same universe as is from same thing as Harry Potter, except for it's a different story, which I think is cool, especially if you want to 
discover more about it because I think in Harry Potter, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it all based around that school in that area? Yeah, it's based around Harry. Right, and so like, if if you're a person who loves Harry Potter and you want to explore more of the world that they live in, that's like a perfect movie or perfect show for you to watch, you know, because then it's um, you're still in that Harry Potter like kind of mindset, but you also have that you know different you get to explore different options you know mm-hmm. yeah and like yeah. this score also has one of my favorite songs out of any score is a close friend and it's like it's it's a song that just makes you like it can be either like with a friend or like a close loved one you just want to like fall in love with them i strongly recommend if like one day you're you're just like getting into your like tingly feels just it's it's it, it really gets your heart pumping i can't relate yeah. i've never had a lover okay Noah, it's your number five okay so my number five um as i'm looking at my list i feel like this this uh like that's what i think about it's amazing about lists is that they're they're changing right they're ever changing mine is already changing right now so my number five is newsies now something that i love about newsies is that it was my first ever like musical that i watched and even though it was like in, like it was this is a the movie and I don't know if the musical counts, but I, I do like the movie and I like the the soundtrack for that. Even the um, even the 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 playing parts without the singing, the instrumentals without the singing, it still um, it still brings back a lot of memories to um, everything basically. So everything that Newsies revolves around, like it doesn't matter what it was, because like um, Newsies the first time I saw it was with my mom, and it was like. Uh, the actual movie, and then we went to go see it on Broadway, and that was amazing, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great musical, and then we saw it again, or we didn't, well, we did technically see it, but it was on stage at our own theater, and like, um, something that I also think is amazing about soundtracks is not only the fact that it's able to um, really tell a story without needing words, but also the fact that it can bring back so many different memories, like, I listen to anything from news. It doesn't matter what it was. All I remember is these certain spots. Like, uh, Watch What Happens. Um, I remember... That's that's in the musical, not the movie. But I remember, like, when I hear that, all I can... I just get a bunch of flashbacks to me standing backstage watching Harley or to me being... Uh, uh, sitting in that seat with my mom watching it on stage or let's say it's uh, Seize the Day. I remember seeing that with my mom when I was really little on VHS. I remember watching it. That I remember watching that on stage as well, thinking that was amazing. And then I remember um, watching you guys do it on stage, and I, it just like, brings back so many memories. And every time I listen to anything from that musical or movie, it just gets me really tingly, and it gets me it, like like your uh, Fantastic Beasts. It gets me in my feels. And so that's what I love about Newsies is that it's able to do that, and it doesn't matter how much I listen to it. And one more thing before. I move on because I really nerd out over this. Is that the opening the opening scene in the beginning of the musical and it's heard in the movie is that trumpet that lone trumpet sound, and um, I don't know. Do you remember that, Wesley? Yeah. Ba, ba, yeah. Ba, da. Uh, Mr. Newell played that on his trumpet. He didn't want it to be synthesized because he didn't think that it would be authentic enough. And I'm glad he did because I remember first show backstage. I was so pumped. And I remember hearing everybody talk about how nervous they were, and all I hear is Mr. Noel off stage playing that trumpet. Now, every time I do, I just get all bunch of flashbacks from the beginning of when we started and the journeys that I've taken to get to where I was, and I was like, oh my gosh. I am Dude, so... you, you got me You got me in my feels. Now. I know. <laughs> I just, it gets, because, you know, that journey was so long. It started when I was super little, and it's gone mm-hmm. up to 
when I was a junior in high school, and um, we filled my like lifelong musical dream, and that's just something that I can't I can ask for anything more. It doesn't matter what role I was, it is something I can I can ask for a better cast in that musical. I can ask for a better time with my mom and both sitting in the seat when I was at home watching it or sitting in the theater. So that's why New Zealand is my number five. Wow, that was very heartfelt. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> my my number five is uh, another. It's another John Williams piece for me. Shocker. Uh, my number five is Jurassic Park, and the reasoning mm-hmm. behind this is, I remember I remember the first time I watched Jurassic Park. I I fell in love with the dinosaurs. 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 Oh. And. I just and I think what I love about the score is that even though in the film they're portrayed as these villains who are trying to eat humans, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. the score does not say that. Yeah, the score like the, da, 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 yeah, like, no, you know like, yeah. that 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 I just remember and then, da, 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 yeah. you know when they first see the brachiosaurus, like the the music there it just shows the the magnificence of these creatures mm-hmm. finally coming to the big screen and like, you know, in the character's eyes, they're real. Yeah. And like, and then, and just that, the grandeur of the creatures and then the, and then the park itself, that dun dun it shows just how powerful this uh, film was. I think yeah. towards cinema, till, toward just, just Hollywood in general. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, there, I love this film so dearly and, um, in the in these films, they carry on to the rest of the other franchise, and I'm higher on the franchise than other people are. But that's fine. Yes, and but, okay. but I just the very first. I don't. There's there's so much magic created in that first Jurassic Park. Whether it was that, whether that be the story, the music, just everything encapsulates just everything I love about cinema in that film. Mm-hmm. And I just, I the one thing I love about that score more than anything is it does not depict the dinosaurs as as villains. Well, yeah. But as magnificent creatures, well, like, which I love. That's what the film is going for, too. Cause exactly. Because you, you, you notice how in the film that that's usually how it's portrayed as is people like to manipulate the dinosaurs into thinking that they're the bad people when in reality it's the people that are greedy enough to use them exactly. for their own purposes. And I will always, and I will always remember the first time I, wa- I watched the ending where uh, the raptors were coming up and they're circling uh, Dr. Ray and the kids and Sadler and the T-Rex comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and that Jurassic yeah. Park themed mm-hmm. players yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it always it gets me chills every single time and it's so for me Jurassic Park has always had a special place in my heart and so of course my number five and it had to be top five my number five is Jurassic Park top five alright Wesley you're number four uh, number four you mentioned it earlier Game of Thrones <laughs> Ramin <laughs> yeah. Jawadi man Game of Thrones Take out season eight. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Like, no, take out like even I don't even watch Game of Thrones, and I'm like take out season eight, ex- like take out everything except for like what the first three episodes. I can live through the first three episodes. That's just me. Yeah, the, no, the first two episodes are good. Like yeah. the battle was disappointing, but oh, yeah. Um, but like it, even though the story was just bad, like anything about Game of Thrones, it's just the, the score, the thing, and it's not just the theme song. It's just that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it hits you in those right moments in, in like the uh like let's say the red wedding and oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh and one of my favorite song like not song i mean like pieces out of mm. out of the score is i think in season six um there's a montage where cersei is just uh 
she's just getting ready and it's a it's just like and then like it starts with the violins and then the cellos all the strings sorry and it's the song is called in light of the seventh that's one of the songs that i just put on when i'm like studying or something and i just want to get like that like uh, that inspiration i don't know because it makes it, it makes me feel like you know uh a BA, you know, BA. I don't. I don't want to say language. Yeah, I don't know. It's all good. <laughs> it feels. It makes you feel like a bad, a bad donkey. donkey. <laughs> bad donkey. Yeah. Good job, Wesley. All right. Thank you. Um. So no, you're number four. My number. My, my number. Four. Yeah, you're number four. My number four is um, uh, Avengers. Oh, is that still I, I, yeah, it's still ever changing. Uh, it, no, no, it isn't. Like my number three was that, and then I changed. I'm kidding. Okay, I'm having a hard time right now. <laughs> okay, so my number four is Avengers. Um, is this the first Avengers? I think. No, wait. Mm. I just now that's got, a question. Now, I, I now, have now, to you ask. Got, now you got me going. It's it's between that. It, I think it has to be Infinity War actually because mm-hmm. you look, you you think what? Nothing. Nothing. Every time I say something, I'm not, Zach judges no, me. No, I don't. I'm not judging you. Judging I'm not judging you. Um, He's judging. I think. <laughs> I think the main thing that gets me going about the score is um, the Thanos theme. Like, oh my gosh! Every time I listen to that, I just like where you hear that da da, and you're just like, ah, it's Thanos. <laughs> and then you're like, you're like, oh my gosh, it's Thanos. <laughs> but like. But um, the thing I love about this movie is that the score, the thing, when you go into this movie, like most people go into it expecting like this to be all about the Avengers, but the score I think is what really turns it and making you think, oh, this is, this isn't that, this is a Thanos movie, right? Mm-hmm. And something I love in the score is the ending. So the ending when Thanos is sitting there, that's very simple mm-hmm. and simple can get you. And that, that got me like... I remember sitting in the theater, like, knowing it was going to be over. I was like, it can't. It literally cannot be. That's That can't be it. Um, I also remember this This something is when they play his theme, when he comes when he goes into Wakanda. That was mm-hmm. crazy. Like, that when you crazy. listen to that, that is all score. Like, there, there's, like, yeah. like, there's obviously something on the screen, right? But it's all score. And there's no other sounds. It's just the score, which is crazy. And you just, you love it. But you also hear that theme every. You also hear the theme every once in a while. But what I like about it is that they use it, but they use it very sparingly. So they don't they don't overdo it because they mm-hmm. want you to expect more. But then they don't give you any more because it's not an Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the score. It just it really gets you because it's like, hey, we're gonna try and tell you that it's an Avengers movie, but it's not. It's Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes sense. I really love that movie. And then um, the Captain America scene where he comes into the subway. When he when he grabs that, I think out of all three of the the main characters entrance, so Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Thor was obviously the biggest entrance, but Captain America is what got me the most. I think because really? you see him. The last time you see him was in uh, Civil War. Yep. So you know you've obviously seen these other characters, but you haven't seen Captain America in forever. So like the way that he looks and stuff is just oh it's so cool and it's it gives cool. me goosebumps <laughs> and I'm like oh my gosh this is Captain America it's like oh my gosh it's Captain America <laughs> oh my gosh okay so that's that's my number four number four number four all right my number four is uh, a little piece from my childhood that I will never grow out of and that's Indiana Jones um, mm. I tried try I tried deciding if I if I preferred the music from Raiders or The Last Crusade and I couldn't decide so I just said. Indiana Jones. Um, 
that that theme for Indiana Jones, that theme will make you go on any adventure ever. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just me. If someone's like, hey, we're going to go do, we're going to go, I, I think know, that's swim any, with sharks I think or that's swim with stingrays and then they play the Indiana yeah. Jones theme. I think that's anybody's like, okay. go-to adventure theme, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, like, it's, Indiana Jones is so influential uh-huh. towards, like, that action adventure a genre and as well as like that and that that theme encapsulates everything that Indiana Jones is mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones was just a big part of my childhood. I remember watching um these films for the first time with my dad and it was like I love these characters. I played Lego Indiana Jones. I did everything Indiana Jones. There was a Wii game with Indiana Jones. We played that all the time. I know oh, the Lego one? No, no, it was actually like a I don't know what it was called, but it, like it was like a Wii game, but it wasn't Lego. It was actually like a real Indiana Jones kind of thing. Yeah, I don't remember playing it, but I don't remember that that much. I remember playing that all the time. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but whenever I was little and I was hanging out with friends, I'd be like, they'd be like, "Let's go, let's go," uh, you know, you know, run this direction and play with water balloons. I'd be like, "Oh, okay," and then somebody, I could hear somebody, it'd be either somebody or it'd be me, and we hear dun 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 dun, like it's just like like. It's such a classic go-to. Like, we're going on an adventure. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> and so, here we go again. John Williams coming in clutch for Indiana Jones and another just fantastic score by him. Mm-hmm. So, my number four is Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So, Wesley, we're going to kick it to you for your number three. Okay, I feel like nobody would expect this out of me, probably, because this film is not anywhere near any of my top tens of, like, film anything. It's Iron Man 3. Probably for visual effects, but oh, man. Okay, I'm excited. This movie, number three, is Interstellar. Okay. Because I know this was... The Mm -hmm. score, man, I just, I don't know how to, like, explain it. Like, Interstellar is a great movie. Like, don't yes, get me is. wrong, but it's not my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Yes, it and is. <laughs> and it's not my favorite, it's not my, like, top favorite, like, film of all time. Mm-hmm. But, like, the the score, it's just, like, it, it, it makes me feel like I'm questioning my place in this universe. And, like, what I like about it is that it doesn't, it, it takes out, of, out all those tropes of, of like sci-fi movies where it's like a synthesizer and it's 80s background noise or like it's a space theme it's like got lasers in its background (laughs) you know it's it's just a lot of and i just watched an interview with hans zimmer it's a lot of like church organs and it's a lot of like slow strings you know Mm -hmm. and i and like whenever and oh my gosh if you listen to cornfield chase with headphones on like Mm -hmm. volume up trust me you really, really want to do that because you're, you're and laying in bed and you're just like, wow, I'm, where, what am I? <laughs> what the, what, what am, am I? Who yeah, am I? It, I, str- like, I strongly said, Interstellar has one of the best scores of all time in my mm. opinion. Awesome. Noah, number three. Okay, so my number three, my number trace is um, uh, something that is very classic. I love it. Probably one, it'd probably go down as one of my most memorable, like, uh, movies of all time is actually Star Wars. All right. The fourth one. Oh, okay. The fourth <laughs> one, like, <laughs> like episode, episode four. four <laughs> episode four. Um, like I know people like Empire Strikes Back, but I don't know. I'm a sucker for a New Hope, and one scene that really sticks out in my mind is when you first see Darth Vader walk through that door, and you hear the 
bum bum ba, and I'm just like, whoa. Darth, <laughs> oh my god, Darth Vader! <laughs> oh my god, Darth Vader! But no, like for real, like when you when I first saw Darth Vader in, in theaters, I was like, that guy. That guy. I want to be he's that a, guy. He's a bad guy. Until I watched I episode three. <laughs> Until I watched episode three, I was like, I don't want to be that guy no more. <laughs> like, how he was made, I was like, no, nah, I don't want that. But, like, um, I love that, that scene at the when you see all those stormtroopers and then you see Darth Vader walk through. You just, I don't know, it gives me goosebumps every time and it just brings me back. It just brings back so many memories. And I, I get, like, flashbacks. And then another yeah. scene that, I, that really gets me is another classic. I think they ruined an episode nine by doing it with Rey. But that's besides the point. It was the uh, um, scene where Luke is looking out in the distance of the scene those two sons. That scene is um, that that uh, when you hear that music in the background, that's just that's amazing as well. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the scenes where they're in fights and things like that, especially the ones where um, Luke and uh, Han Solo are on the guns on the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and they're fighting those Tie Fighters. You just like. I'm not gonna lie. Ever since I watched the Family Guy episode, I can only see Peter going. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like once we watch the Family Guy version of uh, like that, we just like think of Family Guy. Yeah, because I'm sorry. Like, it's like, 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 like see, instead of seeing Darth Vader, we see Stewie in that big helmet walk out of the door. <laughs> yeah. But oh yeah, no, I just to me, there's a lot of memorable moments in there. And again, I'm I'm a sucker for it because you know I watched it with my dad and we mm-hmm. bonded over that or whatever. Oh, <laughs> <it's> adorable <laughs> or whatever. Ooh. But um. Yeah, I do. I do love that movie, and I love the score that goes along with it. So that's why it is my number three. All right, going into my number three, it is a film that you both know I loved watching it in theaters, and um, it's a film that the Russo brothers gave us that we do not deserve them, and that's Avengers: Infinity War. I mean. Like I said before, Alan Silvestri does not get enough praise, and I think it just shows... He gave it his all in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember after this film, I could not stop listening to the music, no matter where it was from. Mm. And I just... and I it, it, Like, from what from the beginning, introducing us to Thanos, that that music... That deep music. Yeah, just... Like, it, 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 it just... He's so scared. It does, it does. And then... On the introduction to Captain America, on the int- the entrance to Wakanda, I think is so iconic. Um, and then, uh, of course, like I've said this so many times before, is that um, the like you said earlier, Noah, is the ending mm-hmm. when Thanos just sits down. And it's just that, I, just that soft music, and it's just then he just smiles and it ends. And then that the end credit music, I think it does a very nice job. And I love I love his use of playing the Avengers theme on the piano and oh, it's just yeah. being very and it just plays it like so sad you, you told me about that too you just like li- look look up that that and then just because i think it's on its own as a as a yeah. like, little piece and it's just just the silent piano and that's so simple like i would talk it's about sim- so simple simplicity makes it so great it is and like because here's the thing grandeur can be everything but sometimes dialing it back is the best thing for a film and the best thing for a <laughs> score and so i mean i there's so much stuff I love of Avengers Infinity War. You all know this. It's my favorite theater experience. It's I, I was there for it. It's he, my it was him his reactions were my favorite experience. <laughs> <laughs> I so I just I love this film and the in the score definitely mm-hmm. and Sylvester just brings it all. I love that man. So my number three is Avengers Infinity War. Wesley, you're number two. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, <laughs> Infinity War. Yes, <laughs> yes. Dude, I should have had Infinity War higher. Dude, three-way okay, high five. Mine was higher. Okay, 
Um, okay, so I can have any MCU movie here, but Infinity War is the culmination of 10 years mm-hmm. of MCU leading to it. And I I just... They, Alan, and like you said, Alan Silvestri gave it his all. And it's mm-hmm. like... Um, and I feel like moments like Gamora's death Oh yeah, that's that is such a good scene. Like you're like, oh, it hurts. Uh, Like oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) the poor is dying. Yeah, and uh, I just, I just love. We were. I I just remember myself sitting next to Noah in in awe of just like when it ended, and we were just so heartbroken Mm -hmm. that I was just like looking at the screen. I know, and I'm just hearing the music. And like when Thanos sat down with the like soft, I think I, those soft strings just yeah. you know yeah. playing any, and then it ends with a dong, and then it's like bah, bah, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I just you know I think it's funny because the first words that came out of anybody's mouth was Zach, and it was Infinity War and Endgame because what happened was in, in Infinity War I just I want to say this. In Infinity War, Zack had his hands over his head, and he was like, we don't deserve the Russo brothers. And that, and he was like in total shock. I could see it, and even though it was dark in the theater. And then in mm-hmm. Endgame, Zack, I think he had his hands over his head again, and he was like, he finally got his dance. <laughs> his dance. Cat got his dance. And like, and it was so funny, because I think the funny, I think that was what I was looking forward to a lot more in the ending, once I saw the, the Peggy and... and uh, um, Steve Rogers dance is that they, they you could just I was like waiting for Zach I was like I know he's gonna say something so I'm not gonna say anything dude I was bawling and so I turn around he's like he finally got his dance <laughs> and I know I know we're not talking about Endgame but I still think that's funny how the first words came came out of anybody's mouth was Zach in both of them <laughs> that's bawling man I know it's fine anyways sorry <laughs> do you have any more to say about Infinity War no <laughs> All right, so Noah, number my two. number two is probably one of the most underrated movies of all time, and okay. the soundtrack makes it even better. Okay. The Room, How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> yeah, give me some high fives. All right, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I, I don't think you understand. Okay, this movie is so great. If you haven't listened to Test Drive, oh my. Are you even living your life right now? Oh, <laughs> Test Drive is like the best because like they have two, th- they have a lot of themes, but they have two really good themes, and that's Toothless's theme and you have Hiccup's theme, and they put them together. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. It is just awesome. Like, uh, you're just like, uh, ah. oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, you just, I, I don't know. Like, I listen to that. Like, that's my go-to song now when I when I go when I'm in a car ride. I put it on full blast, and I just you just hear that powerful brass moment, and it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing, if you listen to that song, you will feel better. It's Trust true. Me. It's it true. is awesome, and I'm not just talking about this one song. There's a whole bunch of other themes in that song, or in the score, and it's just so good. And like, I think the soundtrack is what really carries the next two movies. If I'm being honest oh, yeah. with you. Because they, they, they drill it in your head in the first one so much that it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you think you're like in the second movie. Once you hear that score and that theme, you're just like, oh, uh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's why so I, How to Train Your Dragon is my number, number two. 
All right. My number two is that if this score was not in this movie, this movie is not is not half what it is now. Mm-hmm. That's Jaws by John Whoa. Williams. Like, let's be honest. That score is the shark. Yeah, that with, score is the shark. Without that score, it's we're not a, we're not as scared. Yeah. We're not as intrigued. Like, it's if we didn't have that score, it was just a camera underwater and with the shark. <laughs> well, like because you didn't see the shark. Oh yeah. And so that you had to rely on that theme and that theme. And I remember, and I I love the I love the interview with Steven Spielberg that because John like because I had an interview with John Williams. He's like. And he's like, he gave him the film and he was working on the on this big theme for the film. And he met with Steven Spielberg and he's like, all right, I have something great for you. And he played the, da And that was it. That's all he played. And Steven Spielberg was like, that's it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was expecting a lot more. And he's like, and then Williams looks at him he's like, that's it? And then he's like, all right. <laughs> and like, and, and, you, and you watch that movie, like, there's so much of that score that just works with everything. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. and like I like Steven Spielberg said it best. If that if that score is not in it, he's not he's not as successful as he is today. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg or Williams, you know, like yeah. that that theme is honestly it might be the most recognizable theme of ever because well, yeah. it's just those two notes. And mm-hmm. once you play those two notes, you know, everyone knows exactly what you're talking about, and exactly. And it's it's Bruce the shark. Mm-hmm. And I just and I think also what's great about this about like even though like it's mostly that theme, um, there's his score throughout is amazing. This is his first time when Williams won best original score at the Oscars is for this film, mm-hmm. and it's well deserved. Like even with the theme when they're chasing the shark, that that light chasing theme, that's a phenomenal as well. Mm-hmm. I remember the, I remember the, a very underrated scene in, in Jaws, and, and if you don't know, Jaws is my favorite movie of all time. Um, there's a scene in Jaws where um, where the, there's just two regular people trying to catch the shark for the three thousand dollars. And they throw the piece of steak out, and like you don't see the shark, but like the shark tears away the the dock that they're on, and so like this piece of dock is shift is just uh, taken off to sea because it's attached with mm-hmm. where they tied the hook to, and all of a sudden like because there's, there's a person in the water trying to swim back, but all of a sudden that that dock starts turning around, signaling the sharks come back to get him, and like because the the score gets very quiet as the as you see the guy swimming, but then it goes back to the raft, and that score just gets louder and louder. And I don't I I remember the first time I watched that film, I was so scared like that, and I wouldn't be as scared as that theme wasn't there. That theme is so it's so great, and I think another thing I'm a I'll be oh, one last thing, um another thing that makes this this score great is that. A film score, a film composer, mm-hmm. can make good scores if they're, if like if they're great. But to make a great score is to know when not to play at all. Yeah, and yeah, and it definitely in that Indianapolis speech, and Jaws. Yeah, that first of all, that's my favorite scene in cinematic history, and mm-hmm. and the use of no score until he's halfway through that speech, and when even halfway through, it's not even a big score; it's just a little, just like a like just some strings playing one note. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. It's just perfect. Yeah. So I, I love Jaws, but I think one just went just a bit higher. Yeah, but some, Jaws is I like amazing. about Jaws, which isn't like totally towards the score, but when you have you combine so many things, it's such an on your edge seat type of movie. Oh yeah, it has such a good villain, which is the shark in that case, I guess. And then you have such a good dynamic with the characters, so the, the characters, the actors. That makes a great movie. So yeah, so I, I love Jaws. And it's definitely it's definitely made by those by that music by that music. 
All right, guys. It's number one time for all of us. Wesley, we're going to start with your, your number one favorite score. Go ahead. I feel like it's predictable. Anybody <laughs> would know. Anybody who knows me very well is my number one is La La Land. <laughs> um, the, just, uh, the, the composer, Justin Hurwitz. Man, La La Land, as a film, everything about it just has gave me the love uh, that I have for film. And the passion that I have for for like music, for acting, for all of these things, oh man! And I just I just remember getting the soundtrack and and listening in the car with my good friend Noah, and we were just vibing. <laughs> I'm just a good friend. You said it. I'm not your best friend. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just I I just I don't know that what is there for me to say about it is just. The experience and everything, I just it brings back memories that I just I, I cherish with my within my heart, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just yeah, I I I can't I can't say. All right, all right. No transition to your number one. My number one is also La La Land. Whoa. <laughs> um, this movie was the first time. I think I truly appreciated a soundtrack in a soundtrack in a movie when the first time I watched it. Uh, this movie is, whew, it just gets me in my feels every time. Every time I listen to it, every time I listen to uh, uh, Another Day of Sun. Yes. I remember looking at Wesley throughout the movie, and he would look at me back, and we'd just be like, "Wow, this movie is really good." And I, I, I tell Zach this all the time. I need to appreciate Wesley's choice in movies more often because I don't, and it's I true. and I end up regretting it. And yeah, the thing is, Wesley. The thing is, Wesley. You've introduced me to three of three movies, um, which is La La Land, Whiplash, and um, Parasite. Parasite. And all three of those movies, I was like, I don't know if I like it. And those three movies ended up in my top three favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, it just—it's amazing because I was like, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I like that movie, but I need to trust Wesley's judgment more because I need to understand that he's. More movie savvy than I am, which is true. And like this, La La Land is just, it's truly the first time I've appreciated not just the acting in the movie, but the the music more more so than anything. And this is the first time, the, the first time I watched the movie is the first time I did a lot of things. Like the first time I watched the movie is the first time I bought the soundtrack. The first time I actually listened to the soundtrack, uh, like for a long, long time. The first time I watched a whole bunch of videos on it and the music and how it impacted. We talk about the ending scene and about how that makes it so much better, which is great. It's oh, yeah. true. The ending scene and the music and that makes it so much better. Um, uh, uh, A Lovely Night, that really shows the dynamic between me and, Seba- uh, me and Sebastian as a couple, mm-hmm. as a couple, because they obviously don't like the fact that they're like each other, but, you know, eventually they give in and they fall in love, which you, you gotta love that. And then, um, it, Another Day of Sun and, uh, a lovely night are very musical esque, you know. So they very they very much um, go on the theme of hey, this is kind of a musical type movie. But something that I don't know if you guys noticed, but ha- in the um, about halfway through the movie, they stop using the music as much to symbolize the fact that they're not. It's not a fantasy anymore. So mm-hmm. um, I remember I remember hearing that. And I remember thinking. I remember watching the movie again after that and looking and analyzing and realizing that that's true. And that's something that I really thinks cements the fact that this movie isn't a love story. It's about realities clashing with dreams. 
and that's a real turning point is when uh, when it cuts off because you notice how the reprise for Lovely Night is Sebastian singing about how he's in love with Mia and they're in this fantasy about how they like each other so much but then there's that fight scene you know mm-hmm. the fight scene where they're in Sebastian's um, apartment and if mm-hmm. you remember in that scene the music's playing in the background and then when Sebastian hits Mia with that well you're an actress well, what do you know the music stops and then there's just that awkward silence and you know what's up you 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 guys you like you you guys in the movie obviously you know what's up they're just staring at each other and sebastian eventually has to do something and then mia just leaves you know that seems so impactful and there's no music in the background and you wonder why but then you realize oh it's because you know there's no need for any music in the background it's it's you and your thoughts and like you said Mm -hmm. zach something that's great is that not only that they know when to have music, but when to not have music. And I think exactly. La La Land knows how to do all of that stuff. And it's just such a great movie. Yeah, <laughs> and like, movie. I, I just, and the epilogue right at the end, the, like literally the last 11 minutes of the movie is no dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's just pure music and visuals. Yeah. And, and like, wh- wh- one of my favorite parts about it is just that bum, 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 ba, da, da, da. That, 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 they bring it back, and then you're just like, oh, oh my, oh my heart. Yeah, because it, it totally recaps you back to the beginning. It's yeah, like, oh, it, remember it, when it's like it, the fantasy of what their relationship would have been. If, yeah, I know. If, um, it's like Sebastian gave up his dream, I know. and then like you get the tragedy of the of the trumpet. It's like, da, 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 and then it reaches the super high note, and then you're just like, oh. you're just so sad. Like it just. The, the movie just brings you on such a journey and it really, what I love about the movie is it really involves the audience, you know, because they, not only do they mess with the emotions of the characters, they mess with the emotions of you, you know, like I really honestly felt like I was in love with somebody and that they were taken away from me, you know, which has happened before. Uh, okay. So, so anyway, <laughs> any, anyway, Zach, on that high note, <laughs> that was so number. high. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before going into my number one, I when people ask me mm-hmm. a film that they should watch or a score they should listen to that people just don't appreciate enough, I always say this film, I always say this music, mm-hmm. and I know I told you this, Noah, because people don't believe me the first time I say this, and I'm like, this score is phenomenal. Listen to it, and once they do, they realize how great it is. And that is How to Train Your Dragon. Yes! How? Kiss them! Because it is! Because here's the thing. I say, I, I say, listen, How to Train Your Dragon is one of the most underrated films of all time. Yes, I know it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, an 8.1 on IMDb. Don't ask me why I know that. Um, and, and yet, it has sparked two sequels as well as a load of series, but I will still preach that how it's so underrated for what it is. What it has brought... And I can't stress enough how much the score, how great that is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that score was nominated for Best Original Score mm-hmm. at the Oscars. It lost to Hans Zimmer uh, for his work on Inception. Oh, but like, here's the thing: is that I've heard. I think I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that Hans Zimmer was actually because um, the person who created the score, named John Powell, um, he's really good friends with Hans Zimmer, and they would work on a lot of. They worked on a lot of things together through DreamWorks because if you don't know, Hans Zimmer did the score for Kung Fu Panda. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, for How to Train Your Dragon, they offered the gig to Hans Zimmer, but like 
at the time, DreamWorks wasn't going through much. It was kind of a winky title, mm-hmm. and like they didn't, he didn't know what this film would be, and yeah. so he skipped out. And he's like, "Here, John, you take it." And he, John Powell, gives it hit us all. Like I, and like I'm sorry, but people don't believe me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, they say because I'm like, "What's your favorite film score of all time?" I'll say, "How to Train Dragon." They're like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Listen to it." You gotta listen. I to am it. dead serious. Yeah. Listen to it, and once they do, they're like, "Oh, that is actually pretty good." I'm like, "I, I know, <laughs> I know." <I'm, laughs> and so, like for me, like for how much I love Jaws and everything like that, I had to put this at my number one because I think I've never been more passionate about a film like towards other people as well as the film score because mm-hmm. there is something special that Powell creates in this film with this score. Yeah. And I I will preach at the end of the day that this film this score should be listened to and I think should be appreciated for how much Powell gives it his all in this film. And and for me, like first of all, test drive is amazing. The opening scene and I I've, there's videos out there about this. It introduces all the themes you need to know. And it, and it lets it grow throughout the film. Another another piece that is so great is uh, Romantic Flight. It's titled Romantic Flight. It's when Hiccup takes Astrid um, uh, flying through Toothless for the first time. Yeah. That music, because like that, and it, it's so it's such beautiful animation, animation mm-hmm. uh, accompanied by just this beautiful piece of music mm-hmm. yeah. that just creates this entire scene. Yeah. And it's so great, and I I, I love this music. I, it's so great. There's not a part in this in this film score that I like the montage scene. I love, I love that, that music. Yeah. That's great as well. I there is nothing in the score that I can say is my least favorite. It's all great. I just I love this film score. I love this film, and so that's why my number one favorite film score of all time is How to Train Your Dragon. One thing that I will say that like is like I don't like about it is that. Oh wait, never mind. I was gonna say what's something I don't like about it. I was waiting for your facial reaction. Were you waiting for me to see yeah. how I react? I was I was waiting for you to be like, wait, what did you say? Huh? <laughs> yeah, but no, How to Train a Dragon, great movie. We're, we were actually in the middle of watching it while just we were, were doing while we were doing our uh, while I was doing my top ten list. So I mean, it's just it's a great movie, and not only is it a feel good movie, it's also a very powerful movie and like yes. message and things like that. And I wish somebody would love me as much as Astrid loves Hickok. <laughs> it's all good but like wow. here like that's my one like usually a lot of people ask me like when people ask me movie recommendations and I always say How to Train a Dragon mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird that I recommend this animated film but it's true I always recommend How to Train a Dragon most people don't come back not disappointed uh, but that's just me alright uh, thank you guys for listening to our top 10 favorite movie scores I think this was, this was a fun list for me I, I hope it was fun for you guys as well it's always fun as long as I'm with you guys Thank you. <laughs> that's that's love right there. <laughs> that is love. Yeah, it's right there. Um, before that's we, love. it is love. Before we go, um, I do want to do another segment before we end the show because I think this will be fun to talk about. Um, I want to talk about our most controversial movie opinion or TV show or TV show because I'm doing Noah's going to do a TV show. Um, this is fun because I was thinking because I, I watched. There's a movie I rewatched the other day, and like I absolutely like I don't want me to tease this, but I absolutely love this film. I think it deserves more than what it gets. So that's just kind of a tease of what I have, and so that's why I wanted to bring this up as well. So, um, who who wants to start? I think Wesley should. Wesley start should start because he started, he started with everything else. That's true, Wesley. All right, you're gonna start um, with most controversial movie slash TV opinion. 
Okay, I've had I, I had this one before we even did this whole thing, but um, Zach's gonna be so angry with me. Oh, no. Iron Man three is the greatest Marvel movie. I know Iron <laughs> Man three deserves way more recognition than it gets. Now, am I saying that it is the holy grail of all MCU movies? Heck no. Yes. <laughs> but Iron Man three is, in my opinion, like it, I I remember the memories that it brought me, and it's not just the memories. It's it's just that. Now that I think about it, and the more that I reflect upon it, is that if we didn't have Iron Man three, the um, the whole uh, the whole Tony Stark ordeal, him getting pissed off in Civil War, would have had much as an impact, or um, or even in Civil War, not in Civil War, in Infinity War, when he says that Thanos has been in his head for how however long, and and it's like it's basically giving. It's Tony battling his inner demons, and it's just and for a guy that is currently dealing with with anxiety and all this stuff, and like his mental health has been like deteriorating in quarantine. Um, and talking about me, um, I just, I just, I can't help but feel so much relating to um, to Tony, and I feel like Iron Man three just deserves that recognition, and like, yeah, the whole twist was so disappointing. The Mandarin was just so useless. And I hated that so much about it. But we can really appreciate, like, what it was leading up to that point. That's true. I explain it like this. I like the movie because if you were split into, like... Let's say you were to split into, like, four parts, right? The first part and the second part and the fourth part, I think, are really good. And the third part is the only thing that brings it down. Like, in my opinion, I I really... And even the fourth part is not even that good either because, you know, you already got the reveal... But the Iron Man seats, oh, I love that part. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my most controversial like thing is um, something that you guys, even you guys will find surprising. Okay. Supernatural should have ended at season five. All right. Because in my opinion, even though that has gone on for as long as it has, and I will admit watching season six, seven, and even like a little bit of eight, I didn't really care for, I didn't really care for it. Like, I thought they were struggling to find things because the reason that it brought was brought back was not because they had more content. It was because the fans wanted it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the reason that it's been staying on for so long is because the fans have kept it going for so long. Supernatural is the longest-running sci-fi TV series of all time. And the, the reason for that is because of the fans. And, like, that's, that's something that's kept it going. And, like, I give them praise for that. But season one through five are the golden seasons. Like, those are the seasons you can't you can't like really argue that they're they're like um they're bad i mean you can argue that there's some bad scenes and maybe there's some bad episodes but overall supernatural seasons one through five found a good balance of getting power like finding powerful enemies but not being too powerful you mm-hmm. know what i mean not finding that that point where they went overboard and how season five was supposed to end was sam was put in the cage um castiel was revealed to be god and then Dean went on living his life without Sam, which I think would have been a been a very poetic ending. I think it would have been great, you know. Mm. Even though it wasn't the ending that a lot of people wanted, I feel like it would have been a good ending, and it could have ended there. And I just I don't. I'm I'm glad that Supernatural has gone on for as long as it has, but in my opinion, it could have stopped at season five, and I would have been not just okay with it, but more than okay with it. You know what I mean? I would have yeah. been like, yeah, that's a good place to end, and I don't think that they should have gone on but once they get to season nine through now they're in season 15 they've sort of gotten past that rough patch 
and I, I'm every day I'm looking forward to co- looking at that new episode. But I just to me it could have ended at season five, and I'd have been completely okay with that. And even you, when you were watching Supernatural, <laughs> you kind of stopped at season eight. Yeah, because I, I, I because keep that's when season season six, seven, and eight is really where it just it kind of falls off. So it's true, but that's why that's my controversial topic. So all right. Now, on to mine. Um, I'm going to... Because, like, I couldn't decide which one I want to do. I'm just going to say one, I think... I'm not going to I'm not gonna go into depth with this one, but I do want to say this. I believe Ready Player One should have more recognition than it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll... I would explain... I'll explain that another day, but I think the one, the one thing I want to bring up this time is it's another Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. And it's his work in 2012 with a film called Lincoln. I believe, like, I know this is a stretch to say, but I believe Lincoln is a masterpiece. Not good, not great, a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. You go back and rewatch that film, and, like, I I think the reason people were kind of disappointed with the film is that it didn't depict Lincoln's whole life. Mm-hmm. But in, when, in reality, when you do your research on Lincoln, his efforts toward this, um, towards the 13th Amendment... This is what he was striving for his entire life, and to accompany co- that film into what Lincoln had to do to pass that mm. shows who Lincoln was. And I, Daniel Day Lewis gives the performance of his life as Lincoln. And for anyone to tackle a story about Lincoln, that is hard to do. I know. Yeah. And for how much research that Daniel Day Lewis and Steven Spielberg put into work for that film, like you go back, you go, I. I go back and I rewatch that film, and it, like right, like Rotten Tomatoes right now has an eighty nine percent from the critics, eighty percent from the audience, mm-hmm. and only a seven point three on IMDb. And I, I, I don't get it because I, me personally, believe it. It's up there with Spielberg's classics, mm-hmm. with with his historical classics, with Schindler's List mm-hmm. and Saving Private Ryan. I think it's right there at three. I I think it's up there with it because it it does everything that Lincoln was. Mm-hmm. As a human, yeah. and it and it, it depicts a very important event in American history so so well, and so I I know people don't like the Senate debates and everything like that and it gets boring and I'm like but that's that's American life like you can find drama in those Senate meetings mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes this movie so impactful and I another thing I love about this movie is that that speech when he gives his uh, I call it the now speech and mm-hmm. like how. Um, he only needs two more votes and he asked and he gives his and he has to he basically talks to his cabinet members he's like we're not ending this world without passing this amendment mm-hmm. and like Steven Spielberg actually went on an interview saying that when Daniel Day-Lewis when he, when they filmed this scene the first time he filmed the scene he had to step into another room because he had, was was crying of mm-hmm. how great it was and so I love this film and I I don't like I like I, I want to see I get why people don't but I don't because I believe personally believe Lincoln uh-huh. is a masterpiece. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's my most controversial. I love his opinion. voice. His voice is so calm. Yeah, I know, and that, that's exactly how Lincoln spoke. Like mm. Daniel Day Lewis, after they hired, because um, Spielberg took he spent like nine years trying to put this film together because he was waiting for the right actor to come uh-huh. in to play Lincoln, and then when Dan, Dan when he got Daniel Day Lewis, he's all like sweet, and he he was ready to film in three months after he, um. Um, hired Dan Day-Lewis, and Day-Lewis yeah. Day was like, give me a year. Yeah. 
And because he and after, after when he gave him that year, it gave more time for Spielberg and him to become friends, and it gave uh, Day Lewis that one year to do all that research on Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And I think he brings Link to the big screen perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely does. So that's that's my most controversial opinion. Um, anyway, I at the end of the day, I mean, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, if it's all right with you, would you want to recap your 10 to 1 film scores? That just in case people, you know, because I totally forgot. I usually do it with my other videos, but I totally forgot with this one. So, um, Wesley, if you want, you can start with your 10 through 1 and just kind of recap what your favorite film scores were. All right. Um, all right. So, number 10 was Parasite, Jung Jae the second. Mm-hmm. Number 9 was Spirited Away, Joy Hiaishi. Number eight was a combination of Up, uh, Michael Giacchino, and The Wind Rises, uh, Joe Aishi. Number seven was Stranger Things, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stane. Number six was Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back by John Williams. Number five was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, James Newton Howard. Number four was Game of Thrones, Ramin Jawadi. Number three is Interstellar, Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Number two is Infinity War, Alan Silvestri, and number one is La La Land and Justin Hurwitz. All right, and, and explain, and then I'll also give your most controversial movie opinion. Uh, Iron Man 3 is way better than people say it is. All right. Noah, you're 10 through 1 and your most controversial TV opinion. All right, case. so hang on a sec. I gotta. Sorry, man. Okay, so yeah. my number 10 is Jurassic Park. My number nine would be Indiana Jones. My number eight is Pirates of the Caribbean. Number seven is Back to the Future. Number six is Iron Man 3. Number five is Avengers. Number... No, wait. Number five is Newsies. Number four is Avengers. Number three is Star Wars. Number two is How to Train Dragon. Number one is La La Land. And my most controversial TV topic is that Supernatural should have ended at season five. All right. And my film rankings from 10 to 1 was number 10, The Lion King from Hans Zimmer. Nine, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, John Williams. Eight, La La Land, Justin Hurwitz. Seven, Empire Strikes Back, John Williams. Six, Back to the Future, um, Alan Silvestri. Five, Jurassic Park, John Williams. Four, Indiana Jones, John Williams. Um, number three, Avengers Infinity War, Alan Silvestri. Two, Jaws, John Williams. And number one for me was How to Train Your Dragon by John Powell. And my most controversial movie opinion, my first one I kind of brought up, I'll explain more, is that Ready Player One deserves more than it gets. And my most controversial movie opinion is that Lincoln is a masterpiece. Guys, thank you for joining me. This was so much fun. Like, I had a blast. Me too. I did too. That's good. Thank to hear. you, Zach. <laughs> well, I can't. I, You're you welcome. Know, Zach and I had a lot of like nonverbal conversations while you were talking, Wesley. And it, was, <laughs> it was just a lot of stupid things that I was doing. And I can't wait for you to, because uh, you are. It's not a question of if, it's when you're coming back. Damn. So we can, oh. so we can do a list together and we can actually all three of us hang out, you know? Yeah, that'd be great. Because. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that this isn't boring, but we need that extra. You, we like we just the extra Wesley is, fire. You need me. You Zach need and I me. don't. <laughs> Zach and I don't feel complete when you're not here. It's true. Like we just. And like, I don't feel complete without you guys here. Oh, 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 so much love, Wesley. What would I tell you if we were opening a boba place here? Dude, I would go back right right away. <laughs> what if I told you? What if I told you we were? And I know you got to let me get a girlfriend first, and then. We'll <laughs> oh, okay. All right. There you go. 
All right. Well, thank you guys. We, yeah. We appreciate it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, this has been Zach Attacks Movies, the podcast. I'm your host, Zach Aaron Host, joined by my lovely Pinky Blinder guests, Noah Fredrickson and Wesley Salazar. Thank you again for listening and watch movies.